one of many examples in my life, probably arguably the worst leadership fail for me was my time in undergrad at Texas A&M leading the chapter. And now just the redemptive story of now I'm leading the entire fraternity. It's crazy. It's this upside down kingdom way of one of the worst presidents in the history of Bucks is now the national president of the fraternity. But part of that is, and the real crux of the story is, like me recognizing my failure, me humbly walking that out, me owning it, apologizing for it, growing as a result of it. And so I think in some ways my worst failure led to this position that I'm in where I now get the privilege and the responsibility of giving leadership direction to 2,500 young college guys on campuses across the country that are going to impact different spheres of society as we've talked about. everybody, and welcome back to the Core Leadership Podcast, a voice to college men at the crossroads of faith and campus life. My name is Kaysen Asher, and I'm the producer of this podcast, as well as the director of communications for Beta Upsilon Chi. That was just a little preview of what you're going to hear today with our first return guest, the president of the National Bucks fraternity, Brian Lee. So without any further ado, here is your host, Gabe McKinney. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Core Leadership Podcast. Today we have our first return guest. Um, you'll never know who it is. Psych, you definitely will know who it is. We have the gift of Brian Lee. Hey Brian Lee, how you doing? What's up Gabe? Glad to be here again. Round two. Yeah, how's it feel to be the first return guest? It feels amazing. That we haven't given anyone else a second spot. And Not so- yet. We're saying, hey, Brian took a pretty nice first shot. We want to take another shot. <laughs> um, so, Brian, it's good to have you here. It's good just to spend time with you, man. Um, yeah, good to be with you, Gabe. Of course, we got Kaysen with us on the production side. You guys have been crushing this podcast. Excited to be back for round two. Thanks. We don't get enough love to Kaysen, so Kaysen at BYX.org. Send him uh, some encouraging words. <laughs> Show him some love. That's right. Uh, That's he, right. Does, he, he makes all the magic happen without his voice being as much on this. So The first podcast Brian and I did was the very first podcast of the Core Leadership Podcast, and we shared a lot about his life his journey of leadership, why does leadership matter? And then he shared the vision for this podcast and why we're doing this, helping build godly men. We believe this is a way we can build godly men by sharing life and sharing leadership principles from different people. And now what we want to do with Brian is kind of this a little more rapid fire leadership questions. Brian, I think, is unique in that he is such a healthy leader in some of the most challenging things guys face, such as things like failure, conflict, feedback, gossip, these things that most men and leaders are kind of scared of. I feel like Brian, he's known as a guy who runs into a fire. He wants to go into the burning building. He doesn't want to back away from it. So today we're going to just dig into that. I'm going to let Brian speak some wisdom and thoughts on leadership and in that he'll share his life, but a lot of just those kind of more topical questions. Is that right, Brian? That's right. And before we dive into the leadership stuff, Gabe, just maybe talk, I don't know that you've talked enough about CrossFit on this podcast. And so any CrossFit updates for Gabe? Any PRs recently? What's up? So really important, your body is a temple. <laughs> and you know, temple, a temple needs to have pillars and structure. And sometimes that's a bench press. Sometimes that's a squat. Sometimes that's a snatch. True. true. And so 
I'm just gonna tell you guys, there is some CrossFit in my life. It's a great thing. There's some achievements, but that's where not my not where my identity is. It's in other things. Two and things to the podcast audience. Number one, Gabe is yoked. Number two, how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? And the answer is they'll tell you. And so I just want to give Gabe a little chance to talk fitness, to talk healthy lifestyles. So 30 seconds or less, Gabe, go. And then we'll kick it back to me for leadership. Fitness is important to me. <laughs> this is funny. This is unplanned fun conversation with Brian. The podcaster gets podcasted by Brian. It's like undercover boss. Um, yeah, I'll just say fitness is a fun way. I spend a lot of time on my computer sitting, talking, drinking coffee with a guy. It is nice to throw around a physical thing like a barbell, and it makes me healthy physically and emotionally and spiritually. And yeah, I like to just eat well, work out well, live healthy so I can go jump into a basketball game and try to destroy some of our Bucks boys when I do that. Come on. I need to work on my shot, but otherwise fitness is an avenue to worship Jesus and to have a lot of fun when I got to be called to the courts or any other active field. So there you go. That's what that I'll was, give to the staff. That was bonus this morning. <laughs> yeah. so. so we're having fun, um, having great energy. And yeah, Brian, so take us down a little journey. Let's start dealing with failure as a leader. Uh, a lot of guys are scared to, scared to fail. I'm supposed to achieve and do great. Some guys won't even step up because they're so scared to fail. So maybe you share some of your journey with failure. How have you dealt with it? Why should we embrace it rather than be scared of it? What are some thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, Gabe. Super important conversation to have when you're talking about leadership is how does failure play into leadership? And I would say, I think, to grow as a leader, you have to fail. I mean, I think of a couple of things. I think of, I actually heard this from, shout out, Wendell Weaver, good old Weave, the OG for Bucks, one of the founders in 1985, University of Texas. And he said early on in my time in staff, which was probably eight years ago, he said that, I guess it was during the 80s or the 90s, IBM was like where it was at. It was like the what Apple is today. I mean, IBM was out front. And the CEO of IBM gathered his team together one year and he said, hey, I want us to double our growth this year. And in order to do that, we're going to have to double our mistakes. And so I want mm. you guys to feel free to make mistakes, to fail, because that's the only way we're going to grow. Love that story. Uh, I also was recently, maybe three weeks ago, listening to a podcast other than the core leadership podcast, right. of course. And one of the guys was talking about, shout out CrossFit. Come he was on. talking about a CrossFit coach who teaches a lot or coaches a lot of the top CrossFit, CrossFit athletes. I think this guy's in England. And he was saying that probably in Norway, something like that. No, I think this guy was in England. Uh, Austin, uh, St. Gabriel. <laughs> just kidding. All the daughters, the fits, whatever That's the right. daughters are. But he was saying in his coaching practice that he's actually eliminated the word fail. And that he said that you either succeed or you learn. Hmm. Those are the two options. So like he's Good. completely eliminated that concept from training. Because when you, what people think of as failing, what happens is you actually learn and you grow. So I think it's essential. Number one, we're all going to fail. So a lot of it is just reframing how failure actually helps you grow as a leader. And so I know this is big in my, my life's journey. Just quickly, of course, I'm the national president for, for Bucks, which is laughable in some ways because take us back to 1999. Come on. Uh, I was in Bucks. I was actually at Texas A&M University. The chapter was massive, 300 guys. And then I was elected president of the chapter. And to make a really long story short, I utterly failed as a leader during my undergrad time, during my year as a president of the Bucks chapter at A&M. 
And I would just probably summarize my failure is that I, I neglected to love the guys that I was leading. I essentially had somewhat of an agenda, and I wanted to make our chapter more spiritual and more serious. And I was bound up myself in legalism, and in some ways I was overzealous, really hungry for God, which was great, but I felt like it needed to look like X, Y, and Z, and it definitely didn't look like this and that. And so when I led my chapter, I would just get up and... I would use guilt. I would use shame as motivators, which are terrible. They're like the worst motivators if you want to move people from where it's they like are. like if you want to move a junior high football kid, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe. Like, maybe not maybe. even not. Because I mean, it's not really leadership. It's probably more intimidation oh my and frustration. Gosh. Yeah, it does kind of work in the short run. But what I've learned in hindsight from that failure is that uh, you really lead people by love. Like if you want to move people, you need to inspire them. And nobody's going to be inspired by somebody that's shaming them. This is true of parenting. This is true of leading any kind of team, coaching a team. Fear and intimidation work at some level, like some base level, but they're not really effective tools for leadership and for inspiration. So as I look back on my time, I mean, again, this is a super long story, but I failed. And even the board of directors back then, which was pretty new, they would have described B. Lee as the guy who, and I quote, ran the largest chapter off a cliff. Uh, when I graduated, when I started, we had 300 guys. When I graduated, our chapter had 150. And I would attribute most of that attrition to a failure in a leader, which was me. And so I stuck around. I actually ended my time not on great terms with Bucks. And then thanks to a guy named Lauren Shaw, who was on our board for years and years and years. Amazing guy. He's been very instrumental in my life. He reached back out to me and invited me to be a part of an event in Bucks that was pretty much out of sight, out of mind for me. Uh, that was probably 2004. And it was during that time. And I think here's the lesson about failure. Like if you respond to failure with humility, the opportunities for growth are endless. And so God had been dealing with me about my own personal failure as a leader. And so I was prepared to really walk out some level of repentance and restitution with the organization. So when Lauren called me, he asked me, invited me to be a part of something. And I just made it a point to say, when I run into any of the guys that were in Bucks with me, I'm just going to apologize. I'm going to ask him to forgive me. I'm going to share that God's been dealing with me. So what happened during this thing, it was something simple. It was like a wiffle ball tournament for alumni. It was amazing, but it was this random thing. But through humility and through me learning from my own failure and walking that out in a humble way, I began to repair the bridge that I had burned, which was my relationship with the organization, with the fraternity. And so in 2008, Lauren called me again because back then we did this big summit where I think that year a thousand guys came from 20 schools. And Lauren convinced me to come and be the MC uh, and to work with him on that that year. And so that kind of was my re-entry into Bucks. And then in 2012, I got another call from the board, and they were interested in having me apply as a visionary leader that could take the organization to the next level. And take it, climb the cliff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when, I, when, when Lauren actually was the one again that called me, I was like, dude, are you crazy? Do you remember my time as a leader in undergrad? I was a mess. I remember when I finally got to the interview, it was this really lengthy process, I just shared with them, I said, guys, if I'm in your shoes, I'm thinking this is crazy. We're interviewing the guy who ran our largest chapter off a cliff, and we're asking him to lead our organization or considering him. That's crazy. But I told them, guys, at first I thought it was crazy, but as I've been praying into this, I feel like 
it would be an asset to have a guy because basically what I did is I tried to hijack bucks and make it into something that was never designed to be and to have a guy who's done that and can speak to it from experience and I just told the board and I still this commitment is true today that I'm not going to hijack the purpose of bucks I'm going to honor what was what it was originally intended for I'm going to honor that and so when I just communicated hey I recognize I failed as an undergrad but I'm ready to honor this vision this mission and I'm going to be able to see when guys are doing the same thing I did and speak to it from experience. And so it's one of many examples in my life. Probably arguably the worst leadership fail for me was my time in undergrad at Texas A&M leading the chapter. And now just the redemptive story of now I'm leading the entire fraternity. It's crazy. It's this upside down kingdom way of one of the worst presidents in the history of Bucks is now the national president of the fraternity. But part of that is, and the real crux of the story is, like me recognizing my failure, me humbly walking that out, me owning it, apologizing for it, growing as a result of it. And so I think in some ways my worst failure led to this position that I'm in where I now get the privilege and the responsibility of giving leadership direction to 2,500 young college guys on campuses across the country that are going to impact different spheres of society as we've talked about purpose of this deal and so i think failure creates an incredible opportunity for growth and as a result needs to be embraced really in the life of every leader i would say that moment you said failure has become something that actually launched you into some of the greatest leadership the only reason that happened is because it was bathed in this repentance, this ownership, this awareness, probably, because yeah. there is failure in moments that don't lead to great things because we don't learn how to repent or own the issue that we had or say, this was a, this this happened and I'm gonna take ownership of that. And then people don't no, no longer say, oh, Brian, he's the guy who just ran it off the cliff. But they're also saying, but he also ended up growing in humility and actually showed he owned that and sees it. And so I, I just know you, Brian, as the, Brian is the guy to, uh, what is it, to fire, aim, ready, first guy ready, to be. Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yeah. Um, there it is. And But at the same time, uh, Brian's the quickest person ever to admit a mistake and apologize and ask for forgiveness, which I think guys need to hear that. Even the story, I remember, Brian, you and I talk about the story, uh, I think at a president circle, where we're talking, we're being a staff, we're introducing each other, where you, you had to apologize for like two different things, and someone wrote in their journal, this guy apologizes a lot. Was that what it was? Yeah, I think Ethan's one that told us this. He was, I guess, eavesdropping and looking at what somebody wrote and said, Brian Lee apologizes a lot. That must be the mark of a good leader or something like that. Um, so yeah, it was apparently noticeable, just my my, my uh, overkill on apologies, or at least, you know, kind of struck in his mind as something that was significant and maybe not what he was used to seeing a leader do. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll just say failure is not a person. It's an event. And we need to be able to distinguish that failure is a moment that I can decide who I will be it's from good. that. Yeah. And I think you've chosen the route of I would even biblically take it to David, who his life is a life of just complete repentance and humility, constantly a lot of screw ups but then coming back to Jesus. And I would say Saul is the opposite side of that, a life of unrepentance, a life of failures that I won't admit, I won't go up to, I won't walk in humility. Yeah. And you see the way God treats those different things. Yeah, I, I think the last thing on this note is I would just say it, it, failure can be hard. And honestly, for some personalities, it's harder than others. It's not super hard for me. I honestly anticipate, I know I'm going to fail. I'm just like, all right, when's the next time I need to apologize? 
but I'm not a perfectionist, right? I'm not Enneagram one or whatever. And so my wife, this is actually harder for her because failure for her tends to translate sometimes to like, I'm a failure. Like if I fail, then therefore I'm a failure. And so to those people listening, like I understand this hits harder for some than others, but if we can reframe it and if we can approach failure, like number one, it's going to happen. Number two, how can I respond to failure in a way that actually wins people over? And then number three, how can I learn and grow from that as a leader? I think that's good. Cool. We'll keep firing through. Next thing, this is, I know, Ron, you have a huge heart and experience and your life is filled with this conflict as a leader. Yep. It is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Even really, if you're not a leader, it's still going to be in your life, just whatever you're doing. And so love for you to talk about conflict, places you've seen it in your life, how you've dealt with it. Help us reimagine who we can be as leaders in conflict in a better way. Yeah, I mean, this too is really hard for some folks. Conflict is hard. If you're an Enneagram 8 out there, not so hard for you. You kind of run towards conflict, as I do, oftentimes to a fault. But if you're, on the other hand, Enneagram 9, or if we don't stick with Enneagram, you're just conflict avoidant, which is, I think, probably most people. It's tough. It's tough to approach. It's tough to figure out how am I going to communicate? How am I going to have this hard conversation? And let so, me even set the stage, too, yeah. for people who don't know Brian. I've worked with him along with Hoyt for about four and a half years. I know Brian well to the point where he's not going to hold back. He will be very direct. And typically, he's being direct in the sense of, I want to love you. And that's how I love you is to grow you into who I see you becoming. I'm bringing you to a place. But a lot of people uh, aren't ready for that. But I just want people to know, like, I think, Brian, you're known as a guy who you embrace it. You see it. Actually, challenge and conflict in your life is a, not always seen as a bad thing. For sure. And on the flip side of that, I invite it. I mean, I, I can tell some other stories here in a bit about my, you know, our staff. I don't want to say my staff, our staff calling me out in some ways, me giving them permission. If you guys see anything in me, like bring it because I know I have blind spots. And so help me see those. That's how you help me grow as a leader. Don't let me walk in something that I'm unaware of. And so as a result, more staff guys have confronted me on stuff, and it's always been really, really helpful, and I can get to that. So I do. I, I give direct feedback, but I hunger for that same feedback because I believe if you see something off in me and you don't tell me that you're actually not loving me. Like there's a way to approach conflict, which I'll just give some practical tools here. Here, I think it's, it's easy to say, yeah, just conflict's going to come, so just get ready for it, but that's yeah. not really helpful. And so... Uh, a mentor of mine, his name is Ford Taylor. Um, he's got some great leadership content, but he has this piece on how to approach others. And so wherever you are, if you're leading a team, if you're leading in, in the Bucks world, a cell group or a chapter or officers, or if you're a chair position and you're overseeing something, or if you're just, you know, involved with friendships, it's roommates, it's I don't want to say necessarily, I, I guess this does apply to girlfriends and wives, and, and it probably is across the board. How do you approach someone when there's conflict, when there's a hard conversation that's inevitable, but it needs to happen? First of all, let me just say the worst thing you can do is avoid it, mm -hmm. is just kind of sweep it under the rug and hope it just goes away. Sometimes that works. The vast majority of the time, the problem gets bigger and it becomes more complicated the, the longer you wait to address it. And I've heard there's a difference between that's more like a peace seeking rather than a peace making. You're avoiding conflict to have yep. this false sense of peace that's versus right. em embracing it and walking through it at the end of that comes deeper unity and real peace. Yes. Yep. I think that's good language. Peacekeeping and peacemaking. 
Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Come on now, he's preaching. That's right. Um, all right, so four steps, right? When you have to have a hard conversation, let's just get really granular and yeah. practical. Uh, the first is to go in humility. And so when you're approaching somebody, I think what that can look like practically is just to say, hey, I may be wrong, but I'm coming to you because X, Y, and Z. I have this concern. You know, I watched you do this. I heard you say this. I heard from from somebody else. I've heard whatever the, the situation is. But I think it's not assuming you have all the information. So it's acknowledging, hey, I may be wrong, but, you know, I wanted to bring something to you and just share a concern that I have and give them a chance to respond to that, to to clarify the narrative if you don't have all the right information to give you more pieces. But I think so. Number one is go in humility. Number two is go in pre-forgiveness. So this is just simply before you even have the conversation. This certainly applies to a scenario where you've been offended. Uh, but that might not be the case. Maybe the offense is towards somebody else, but you've already decided before you have the conversation that you've released this, that you've forgiven them, that you're not coming angry, that you're not coming with emotions that are pent up, where you're emotionally hijacked. You're just coming uh, already saying, hey, whatever the outcome is, I want to release this on my end first as I go to this person. That de-escalates the making something you know, unnecessarily difficult or emotionally charged. Number three is go in love. And so I think a simple way to think about that is to, to, to say, to be able to think and say that I care more about you than I care how you feel about me. Because the number one obstacle to conflict is like, I'm afraid they're going to be mad at me. I'm afraid that this is going to hurt our friendship. I'm afraid that whatever it is, how they're going to feel about you, which is really selfish at the end of the day. If you really care about the person and you care more about them than how they feel about you, that's real love. And so you go in love. Uh, I care more about you and what's best for you than how you feel about me. And the last part is to go in 100% truth, which this one's tough because it's easy to address the first 80% and just to leave off the hardest part of that conversation. But to commit to say, no, I'm going to bring the whole truth, at least as I understand it. I'm not going to hold back. Um, so if you go in humility, pre-forgiveness, love, and 100% truth, those are just four practical steps to hopefully encourage leaders out there to step into conflict. Uh, because sometimes I would confront somebody and I'll realize, oh, I'm, I was actually wrong and I needed to know that, but I wouldn't have known it if the conflict, if we hadn't addressed it. And so when conflict goes unaddressed for a long time, that's where gossip comes, which we can talk about. And um, so yeah, have the hard conversations, do them in a humble way. There is unbelievable opportunity for personal and for leadership and for character growth as you embrace conflict. Yeah, same vein of conflict is probably feedback. A lot of times we either withhold or give feedback and the way we can do that can actually stir up more conflict or make it worse or change it. So just what does a leader do with feedback? Brian, you've been great about this. You're always inviting feedback and this, like you said, there's even moments you've mentioned the staff has called me out or given me feedback and it's been helpful. So talk to Bucks guys, talk to leaders to say, what do I do with feedback? Is all feedback good feedback? What do I do with the haters? Yeah. Uh, like, what do we do here? Yeah, no, it's good. Ironically, Gabe, as you and I were driving here to Kaysen's Casa to shoot this, there was a scenario that I was in the middle of and Gabe was kind of involved in where there was some conflict with one of our Bucks guys and... 
I just asked Gabe, hey, Gabe, you've been involved in two of these conversations. Give me your thoughts. Like, how did I do on the first one? How did I do on the second? What do you think I could have done better? And he felt like in the first conversation that I was maybe came off a little too strong initially. And so this is like, we're not just talking about having a podcast to talk about this. We do live this out. This is normal part of how we interact. And so feedback is huge. I think as a leader, you ought to crave feedback. You ought to want people in your life that are going to tell you um, stuff that you're not aware of. I mean, that's the, I think research shows that it's like every person has something like 3.2 blind spots areas in their life that they're not aware of. Think about when I'm driving, there's times I've pulled into another lane and almost caused an accident. Even though I looked in the mirror and nobody, nothing was there, that person was in my blind spot. So we have those in us as people and we want people in our life that will help alert us. Hey, heads up, not sure if you see this, not sure if you're aware, I may be wrong, but this is kind of what I see. What do you think? And those are awesome moments to grow. So I'll just give you one example, one story. You know, I've invited feedback from our staff, and this is not a fun one, but again, it goes back to when we respond to failure, it creates an opportunity for some really good stuff to happen. Yeah. And so, so the staff has heard me talk about this before, but when we were actually in Israel a year and a half ago, on the core of, leadership retreat, yeah, core leadership this is retreat, the podcast, not in Israel. That's right. <laughs> this is in Texas. That's right. We were in Israel in the summer, and we had a, a couple of kind of interns that were working with us that weren't Bucks guys. All the other guys, forty, almost fifty of us, uh, were Bucks guys, and we had two that were kind of not, not, not kind. Of, they were not Bucks guys. And there were just, there was some tension there and there was a disconnect there. And if I'm honest, I, I kind of tolerated these guys. I didn't think I was rude to them at all. I just, I didn't feel like they were vibing with our group. And it was weird because they were expected to be leaders. But anyway, without getting into all the details, I thought I did great with these guys. Came back and a few weeks after we were back home, I was talking to to one of our staff guys, uh, Mac Farr, Go Dogs, from UGA, and he just brought it up very subtly. He just, I, we somehow this guy, particular guy, came up and he was like, "Hey, I don't know if you know this, but so and so didn't feel like you really liked him." I was like, "What are you talking about?" I was, you know, he was like, "Yeah, I just don't think he felt like you liked him," and I was like, ah, "I don't think he had any reason to feel that." And he was like, "Well." To be fair, I sat across from you. We had this long Shabbat dinner that was like a three or four hour dinner. And I was sitting next to him the whole dinner. And Mac was across from us. And Mac said, you didn't talk to him one time in three to four hours. That was the moment where feedback, right? And to be honest, I had no idea. Uh, Again, in my mind, I was fine. It was just an area where I was blind. And I didn't know. I mean, who does that? How rude is that? There's no excuse for that, but I simply didn't know. So I was so grateful that Mac shed some light on that. And so what do you think I did? The first thing I did when I got off with Mac, I dug this guy's number up and I called him. And I called him and I was like, hey, one of my staff guys gave us some, gave me some feedback and felt like I was rude to you. And I just, you know, I wanted to ask you, is that true? And this guy was like, well, actually it is true. Like, and he had some stuff. He felt like I was super rude to him. And in my mind, I was like, man, I don't remember any of that. Like, I thought I was somewhat gracious, but in reality, I wasn't. I was rude. I sat next to the guy for three or four hours. And I did not say a word to him. So I just owned it. I just said, hey, I want you to know I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me for being a jerk? Like, 
you know, as a leader, there's no excuse for that. And he just said, yeah, I would. And thanks for saying that. And then he said, you know what? I think you need to call the other guy too. And I was like, oh gosh, are you kidding me? There it is. So more, fee like, more feedback. <laughs> more feedback. So I called the other guy and it turns out the other guy wasn't as hurt, but he agreed that there wasn't a good connection there. And he appreciated the apology. And so what I didn't know is that conversation paved the way for us to have a conversation with one of the executives for this organization. Because our guys on this usual trip, still to this day, they would say we're the best group that has ever come through uh, this organization. <clears throat> They're an amazing organization that we're so thrilled to partner with. But when we went to have this follow-up meeting, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to deal with it right out of the gate. I'm just going to own it. And so when we got to talk with them, because we we're going to talk about our trip, what worked, what didn't, I said, well, hey, before we get into that, I just want to apologize because I got some feedback from some of our staff that I was rude to some of the guys that were interns for this deal. And I said, I called those guys, I apologized to them, and they turns out that it was it was needed, and they accepted that. And I just said, so this is a learning moment for me where I was just unaware, and but, but there's no excuse for it, so I just want to apologize to you as well. So what happened in that moment is the guy was like, wow. And he goes, well, to be honest with you, I had already heard that feedback. And I, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Like everything else about the trip was great. Uh, you guys were off the charts. Amazing. But I did hear this one piece. But the fact, Brian, that you have already dealt with that, you heard this and you reach out to the guys. He goes, honestly, I respect you more for that than had you not failed to begin with. And so it was like a cool moment for me where I think I was set up to get hammered potentially or not hammered, but to to have a hard conversation with an executive of this organization that helps send us to Israel. But I, I was able to turn what was a negative into a real positive, and we have a great relationship. But the only way I was able to do that was because one of, one of the guys on our staff actually had the courage to call me out and to help me see a blind spot. And so as a leader, you need to invite that in. And, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want everybody just taking shots at you. But I think those that you trust, empower them. Help me see what I don't see. Here's who I want to be. If you ever see me operating outside of that, please come and bring that to me. And then I think the other side of it is we want to be that for other people. Like yeah. in a loving, which is hard, especially for some personalities, but in a loving, gracious way, let's help each other see our blind spots. Let's help each other see where we're off and maybe out of alignment and don't even know it. And then let's have the humility to respond to those corrections and that feedback in ways that we're all better. So I'm dreaming about a day where people become really great and, and that, you know, as we're speaking mostly to an audience of, at Bucks guys, that Bucks becomes a fraternity that's really great at giving and receiving feedback. Yeah, I'd love to see, uh, along with you, Ryan, Bucks is like a stage where we practice this. And guys yep. guys get to mess it up and screw it up bad and get pissed at each other so that when they come to life with wives, with jobs, with other things, they can actually be a source of peace and a source of love. Not like this soft just acceptance, right. but a powerful like influencer for Jesus and a bringer, to, uh, bringer together, a uniter of people yeah. uh, would be really sweet. And I'll say lastly about feedback. Yeah, I think 
the timing of it matters. I think sometimes it's great to even ask permission, like, hey, can I give you some feedback? It's good, Gabe. That's a great thing to ask. And on yes. the, that's for the giving end. On the receiving end, it's, good. it's really great to even ask, hey, can you give me some feedback? How did that go? Yes. I'll even sometimes, before I share in front of maybe a chapter or speak to a group, I'll ask one or two people from that group to say, hey, watch me. I want you to give me feedback after this. This is my main goal. And they'll come and they'll give me feedback knowing before I go up there, they're going to watch and they're going to be thinking about that critically, which is really helpful. So we have to, if we got to give it, we got to be willing to take it. It's good. Some of us have to grow on both of those, one or the other. But like Brian has said, Brian, you've taught me a ton about feedback and to be excited about it. Even when it's like, that guy was so wrong. But is there anything for there for me to take away? That's is good. there anything that like, I'm not going to write any feedback off. I'm going to be humble enough to say, yeah, you know what? I don't got to figure it out yeah. ever. Yeah. So thanks for yeah. teaching me the way, yeah. um, Mr. Gandalf, uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe more of a Yoda. I don't know where you fit. You're kind of still baby, in the fight a little baby bit. Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, one of those principles you talked about giving, that was Craig Rochelle, I assume, yeah. like uh, inviting people beforehand to give you. That's really good. I didn't know you do that, Gabe, but uh, love that as a practice. And finally on this, not all feedback is accurate. Yeah. Right. And so just like Gabe said, we want to be open and then filter some out. So for me, it's like if somebody says, hey, Brian, you're just too soft. Right. Or I'm just taking one. Brian, you're scared. <laughs> yeah, you're scared. You don't, you're, you're just avoid complaint. What I would do is say, OK. And then I would go to other people and say, hey, in this case, this one's an easy layup for me. Say, hey, I got some feedback that whatever I avoid conflict. Do you think that's true? And 100% of people in my life would say, no, that's not true of you. And so I'd say, okay, that's an easy one. But, but there are some where you're like, I don't know if that's true or not. I think go like, thinking through it yourself and then getting some feedback from other people that really know you. Because sometimes they're going to be like, yeah, that's true. I'm surprised you didn't know that. And sometimes you're going to be like, no, nah, that was off. And you just filter it out. That's, you, you considered it and it's not true. So you're going to move on. Yeah. Facts of situation versus what happened. Yep. Truth of God in your life, who you are. Bounce it off people who know you and yep. then be humble enough to, to grow and receive from that. Yep. Another thing we want to hit, building a gossip-free life and culture. Something I hear about guys in their young 20s joining teams. Some of the biggest struggles they have is joining teams they don't love being on or they're like, man, for some people are saying this is we're not dealing with stuff. And Brian, I feel like our Buck staff, I brag about this healthiest team culture I know of and I'm a part of. I love it. And there is not gossip that I know about on our team. We deal with things. You call things out. We call things out on each other. It's freaking awesome. But there's a lot of guys who don't have that. A lot of guys trying to deal with that. What do I do with gossip in my culture, in my life? What do I do when someone brings me gossip? What do I do when I find myself gossiping? What? How can I tell what is gossip? What is feedback? You know, all these questions. So yeah, I'm just going to give you the floor to start sharing. Yeah, man, gossip is a killer. It kills any organization. It kills any team. And it's so prevalent. And honestly, it's so hard to avoid. And some of this is through the influence of, as I said, my mentor, Ford Taylor. He's got a high standard for gossip. At one point, he was the CEO of a $300 million organization. And so people would regularly come to him as a boss to quote unquote vent. And he just developed this policy. He said he was spending 10 hours a week just listening to gossip, which is crazy. <laughs> but he developed this policy that if somebody comes to me, I'm going to like his definition. And it's the best I've ever heard of gossip is this. It's when you're talking about someone in a negative way to someone who's not part of the problem or not part of the solution. I think it's a great definition of gossip. Yeah. So if I'm talking to so-and-so 
uh, about somebody else and I don't think that they're part of the problem or part of the solution, I shouldn't be talking to them. Uh, you need to go, I mean, this is Bible, Matthew 18. You need to go to the person first and then after confronting them and having the conversation, this is so hard, but this is the way of the kingdom. It's the way of Jesus to go to that person first and then bring other people in the way we want to do it. And I say all of humanity is we want to go to other people first to quote unquote, hey, I just want to vet this with you, see if I'm right. And it's gossip. And I do it, I think virtually everybody does it, but I've tried to hold to a high standard of uh, why am I talking to this person about somebody else? And so a lot of times I'll say, okay, because I think they're part of the solution in this or that way. So I want to bring them into the process. But the, I hope it's very, very rarely or never the case where I go to somebody without that being the intention. And so again, this is an ongoing process, but the, the way to answer your question, what Ford established was this policy where if you come to me, I'm going to give you 48 hours. And so the way it would work in his company was, all right, you, you know, Kaysen, you came and spoke to me about Gabe. I'm going to give you 48 hours to call him or set up a meeting and to have this conversation with him. And I think the way it would go is he'd say, hey, Kaysen, I'm suppose you're coming to me because you expect me to be part of the solution. So I'll call Gabe and the guy would be like, no, 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 no. I was just coming to kind of talk through this and, and Ford would be like, no, that's not how this works. So now, you know, you have 48 hours to call him and get this right. And I'm going to call Gabe in 48 hours to make sure that you've had that conversation. So all of a sudden, immediate accountability. And they say, oh, and, man. Uh. Yeah. And so now they're stuck. They've got to actually deal with them themselves, which is where they should have started. And so to our Bucks world, if you guys could nip gossip in your chapter, it would transform the chapter. If you guys could just, even as officers, model this. We're not going to talk about each other. With We're going to go to the person first that we have conflict with. Guys, I've been in so much man drama leading this organization for eight years. Where I've had to fly into <laughs> chapters just to get their officers squared away and you know get them communicating and talking openly and honestly and kind of referee the drama. It's crazy. So yes, gossip's a killer. I want to challenge anybody listening to raise the bar of the standard, uh, to have the courage to go to those people in person, just like we talked about, going in humility, pre-forgiveness and love and 100% truth first, and then going to other people to bring other people into the process rather than the opposite way around. So go after it. Try to, I mean, just make that a personal goal is I want to avoid gossip this week. I want to have honest conversations with people that I need to and not talk about other people in a negative way to people that aren't part of the problem or part of the solution. It's a high bar, but we can do it. I'm convinced. And I think it's not just like, hey, this is a good idea, Brian, I talked about. We don't want to be gossipers. It's pulled from our calling as men in scripture. Yes. To not gossip, not slander, to be men who of thanksgiving, to encourage one. How can we live into that? Not that we can, we can still joke, we can have fun, yeah. but that we're not going to create a culture of gossiping, of talking about each other, not dealing with things. And yeah. I mean, what I even hear a higher level to scope it out is culture is not just what you do. It's also what you don't do. Right. Culture is what you also, culture is not just what you actively do. It's what you tolerate. Yes. So if you're tolerating that as well, you're yeah. not just free for like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's also like, man, what are you tolerating? Yeah. And how can you not tolerate that? How can you be someone who still a friend and brother, you're not going to go and be a jerk and be the, be the gossip police, but you're going to say, Hey, 
is it am i a part of this can i help you yeah and I like what brian was saying can i help you do this in the next 24 hours yeah. Um, and then that we can start building up ourselves, not being, Hey man, stop gossiping, but Hey man, let's talk about this. Let me see where I belong. In this yeah. Place. Just a couple of practical thoughts as we wrap this up. And I think we just got a few more minutes here, but I think you can, when somebody comes to you with something negative, I think the first thing you can say is, Hey, just real quick before you keep going, have you already talked to them? And if the answer is no, I think you can just pause the conversation and say, Hey, I think it'd be best if you talk to them first. And if you need me, I'm available to help you guys work through it. But will you just talk to them first? So that's a hard conversation to have because you're actually correcting them. But if we had more conversations like that, we'd be able to resolve more conflict without bringing in unnecessary people. So I think that's just really practical. And, you know, but again, this is challenging. So we just want to encourage all you guys and maybe some of the girls that are listening just to, to raise the bar try to eliminate gossip because as Gabe said, this isn't just like good ideas. This is the way of the scriptures. And then the final thought is I actually just this week had a conversation. I think I was telling you, Gabe, with my daughter, we were around Mm. our, our breakfast table. And right now we're reading through the Proverbs, one proverb a day as a family, me and my wife and our four kids. I'm, I'm reading the proverb. We're talking about it. And there was a passage, I don't remember which Proverbs, but it said where, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. And there's no dis- dissension uh, or conflict where there's no gossip or something like that. That's a terrible reference. But it's comparing wood to a fire to gossip and problems. And it's a great proverb. And so my daughter was really touched by this because we'd had a sleepover with one of her friends. And one of the friends was talking about a girl in her classroom. And she tried to stop her because she was like, I think this is gossip. And my daughter, who's 14, said, hey, I don't I think we need to be careful not to gossip. And then the girl, who's an amazing girl, she just kind of kept going. And so Jada was like concerned, my daughter, that she had like entertained it. And we were like, no, 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 you can't control the other person. But she was like tearful and crying. I mean, she's such a an amazing sensitive girl but but even in my own family we were talking about gossip uh, maybe two or three days ago uh, as a family and just how what it is what it isn't uh, when it's appropriate to talk about other people when it's not how to do all that and so this is like from you know girls get a hard that they get credit for being gossipers oftentimes but I can just tell you guys are just as bad at it And so from when we're little all the way through, nobody's exempt from gossip. It's tough. It's tempting for everybody. But the more we can move away from it and move into real healthy conversations, the better off our teams are going to be, our chapters are going to be, our friends are going to be, our churches are going to be. This is a game changer. It's great stuff. And we're about to have some closing thoughts from you, Brian. I'll just say on all these things, the things we talk about, failure, conflict, feedback, gossip-free stuff. I just want to encourage people listening to not feel like they need to go off on a sprint and they need to change overnight. The, the scripture and way of Jesus talks a lot about walking. And so I'm just saying, hey, walk this out. Like take moments, initiate, go for it, enter into conflict. Let it, it'll be messy and there's times where you get it right and get it wrong. And that's okay. So I just want to encourage the walking out with Jesus, your life, the walking out sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, learning not to gossip, learning to be a man or woman or person who can accept feedback, all things we talked about. Brian has a life where he's had to learn how to correct this. He's had mentors pour into him, help him do this. Brian, for me, has helped me learn what this practice looks like by doing it towards me, me joining him in it and giving it back to him. 
And so just want to give an encouragement to that. And then lastly, Brian, I know would love to hear at the, we just hit rapid fire, medium rapid fire, and would love to hear their glass closing thoughts for maybe some things you want to share on leadership, on bucks for our men, what kind of what's on your heart. Yeah, that's great. Just so I get the quote right, just to follow up on the gossip, it's Proverbs 26, 20, without wood, a fire goes out, without gossip, a quarrel goes down. So just want to get that quote right. But yeah, just in final thoughts as we wrap up, first of all, Gabe, thanks for hosting this. You're a baller, CrossFit and life. And it's always fun to listen to these podcasts. I'm always amazed at how well you lead and guide a conversation. So just grateful for your input here, also for Kaysen as well. But my final thoughts is we were at the University of Texas with a group of about 120 guys last night. I got a chance, just a few minutes to share in front of the group. And one of the questions I asked them, and I do this from time to time, is I said, how many of you guys were told before you came to college that these next four years are going to be the best four years of your life? And it was about 80% of the hands went up, which is pretty normal. Hands were up, yeah. Yeah, which I, I don't know where that came from, but that's just kind of a thing. Supposedly, college is supposed to be the best four years of your life. So I, I told them that I regretted in some ways, and in some ways I was really glad to tell them that that wasn't true, that whoever told them that was wrong, because I just don't think that's the kingdom. So I, I, here's what I think about college. Yes, I think it's supposed to be fun. I think it's supposed to be this amazing time where you get to socially grow, where you academically grow, where you prepare yourself academically for your career, for the rest of your life. And it's supposed to be a blast. That's why Bucks exist. We're a social fraternity on a college campus because there's something about college life that's unique. But I think even more important than that is college is this dressing room. These four years of college, it's a preparation for the rest of your life. That who you choose to become during college and who you choose to identify yourself with, the people you run with, they set the trajectory for the rest of your life. And so I just want to tell you the good news out there if you're in college is that I would tell you from experience that it keeps getting better. Shout out Map City. Um, it keeps getting better. And year over year, God wants to give us more purpose. Uh, I think he wants our lives to be more fun. I think more full, this abundant life that Jesus has invited us into. It doesn't end when you're 22 and it's downhill from there. Like I think year over year. I mean, this is, you know, the, this is part of the, the kingdom messages that God wants to move us from glory to glory, from one step of glory to another. And so I think even in my life right now, the amount of purpose that I get to walk in, getting the opportunity to have a family, to lead them, uh, getting the opportunity to work that matters. And that's true in the corporate world. It's true wherever you are. But who you choose to be in college sets that trajectory. So it's significant and it keeps getting better. And then the last thing I'll share is that, you know, relationships, the relationships that you establish in college I think they really do. I've heard a guy named Doug Stringer, an amazing leader out of Houston, and he said that relationships determine destiny. I think it's so true. Even in my own life, the relationships that I've developed over the years have been much more significant for me than what I learned in college. I think most people would say that. I mean, we're going to school to learn and to grow and to prepare yourself career-wise, but the relationships, the friendships that you invest in, I think will pay off more significantly, of course, than your diploma, right? And so there's a lot of purpose to your time in college. Enjoy it. Try to operate in excellence academically. Give yourself to that. That's part of what you're there to do, but also invest deep in the relationships. If you're in Bucks, 
any other organization. Go deep with those people and commit yourselves to them because that's going to lay a foundation for the rest of your life. Nothing really else to add. Thank you, Brian, for everything you've shared. Thank you for your leadership and how it's blessing me and so many people and bringing the kingdom of God to this world. And man, your belief in bucks and how, yeah, just everything you're doing. I'm, I'm all on board. I'd go to war with you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'd play basketball on your team or against you. That's right. And we pray for everyone listening. Uh, yeah, li- life does get better with Jesus. Not necessarily easier. It's still difficult, but it's better. And he has full life. He's alive. And he's working in our lives to bring his kingdom and let us experience real joy, real peace, real life. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see what he's doing. And I know... I'm 28. He's doing amazing things in my life. And for you, Brian, a lot longer walk with Jesus. He keeps doing great things. So Yeah, well, thanks, guys, for having me back <clears throat> round two. I'm excited to come back at some point for round three. Uh, I'll just tell you this, uh, teaser, we're dreaming big dreams in the Bucks world, excited about the future. We feel like we're in an amazing place right now to grow in some significant ways. So whenever the time is right, we'll come back on round three, talk big dreams for Bucks. That's right. Yep. Brian Lee, round two. Thanks for being here. Everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Core Leadership Podcast. Can't wait to see you until next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Core Leadership Podcast. I want to take this last moment, as always, to talk about Bucks and who we are. We are a lifelong brotherhood of committed Christian men seeking the bonds of brotherhood and unity in Christ through the avenue of a social fraternity on a college campus. Our founding verse is Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. To find out more about Bucks, information on joining, founding a chapter on your campus, or donate, go to byx.org. Keep up with us on social media at Beta Upsilon Chi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Once more, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again in two weeks.